Today's sponsor is Kindred Bravely, a brand that came to life in 2015 by Deanne Akerson, a mom of two, when she couldn't find any comfortable and functional pajamas while nursing her second son. She decided to design her own, and this led to one of their best-selling pajama sets, the Davy Nursing and Maternity Pajamas. As moms, we have to stick together, which is where Kindred comes from. And Bravely, being a mom can be tough. It's not for the faint of heart. It takes courage and bravery, right? Kindred Bravely is devoted to making life easier for pregnant and nursing moms. From breast pads and non-skid socks to nursing bras and pajamas, Deanne creates every piece with comfort, beauty, and function in mind. And her designs have been recognized by parent-tested, parent-approved, the Cribsy Awards and the Mom's Choice Awards. Behind the scenes, Kindred Bravely employs more than two dozen work-at-home moms who share Deanne's mission and values. Along with delivering top-of-the-line clothing, the KB moms provide incredible customer service, share quality content, and engage with social media communities. Use my exclusive promo code MOMSENSE20 to save 20% off your purchase at kindredbravely.com. Some exclusions may apply. Really what we're about is the real crisis in the United States around birth and the maternal health crisis beyond just making sure that people survive childbirth, because it can't just be the bare minimum of surviving childbirth. It has to be thriving. It has to be transcended. It has to be that we're fighting for people to have dignity and safety and belonging and transcendence in birth, right? Mm. So I want that for people. And that's what we're really designing for, right? Is to, to make sure that this can be an event that's holy. If you hope to be pregnant someday, We understand your anticipation and anxiety. If you're pregnant right now, we get that you're nervous, excited, and just want to feel prepared. If you've lost your little one, we feel your pain, which never goes away, and want to help heal your broken heart. And if you were neglected, we want to take up for your cause. This is the birthing series on That's Total Mom Sense, where I'll be speaking with experts on labor and delivery, loss and advocacy. Listen in. And today, my final guest for the birthing series is Latham Thomas. She's the founder of Mama Glow and the Mama Glow Foundation. Named one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100, Latham is the founder of Mama Glow, a global maternal health and education company serving birthing people along the childbearing continuum. Mama Glow supports birthing families during the fertility period, pregnancy, birth, as well as during postpartum, offering handholding through their bespoke doula services. Their doula education platform empowers birth workers around the world. Latham is a fierce advocate for birth equity and works to bridge policy gaps in maternal health. She's the co-founder of the Continuum Conference, a gathering centering on the experience of fertility, pregnancy, and new motherhood, and the Mama Glow Foundation, advancing reproductive justice through education, advocacy, and the arts. Cultivating her wellness practice over nearly a decade, she has served as a doula and lifestyle guru for celebrity clients, including Alicia Keys, Anne Hathaway, Ashley Graham, DJ Khaled, Rebecca Minkoff, and so many more. She has been featured in the New York Times, the Washington Post, NPR, Vogue, The Breakfast Club, Fast Company, 
Wall Street Journal Magazine, Forbes, Self, Essence, and so many more. She is the proud mom of 18-year-old DJ prodigy, producer, and entrepreneur, DJ Fulano. Latham is a graduate of Columbia University and author of two best-selling books, Own Your Glow, A Soulful Guide to Luminous Living and Crowning the Queen Within, and Mama Glow, A Hip Guide to Your Fabulous, Abundant Pregnancy. So let's start from the very, very beginning when baby Latham was born. What was your mother's birthing experience like with you? Beautiful question. You know, I never get asked this. So thank you for this. And it's something that I always have our doulas do like one of the first weeks that they do doula training. This is like one of the exercises that they do is talk about their birth experience. They have to ask their parents or whomever could impart that information to them. And so I'm really grateful for this question. And I hope that at home will also ask about their birth story. So my experience was that my mother, you know, she had recently lost a grandmother that she was very close to. At the time, they had just developed ultrasound technology. It was super new. It was not reliable. And so, mm-hmm. so she believed that she was having a son and they already named me and everything. And so leading up to the birth, she had a dream the night before I was born and her grandmother appeared. And so she got up in the middle of the night and what she recalls uh, from waking up was that there was light in another room and she went to go, she thought she had to turn off a light. And when she went into the room, illuminated on the wall in her grandmother's handwriting in cursive was girl. Yeah. And so she was like, oh my God. And she knew it was her grandmother speaking to her. So she told everybody the next day, it's a girl, it's a girl, it's a girl, it's a girl. I'm having a girl and I'm having a baby today. And they were like, okay. And then this is in the morning. They went to a baseball game that my dad was umpiring at and she's in the stands and she's like, my water broke. We got to go. And then I was born, I don't know, 90 minutes later at the hospital. Clearly she made it into the room. The doctor's like in the hallway with her, with me coming out. So, so that's what the story was, but yeah, she, and she knew it was a girl because she had that uh, vision Mm -hmm. and, and she told everybody that day, like, you know, in the morning, this is, this is her, she's coming, you know, my grandmother came and she said that it's a girl. Um, well, you became a mother in your 20s, which is yep. such an impressionable age. I just, I want to know how you navigated your motherhood journey. I was living in New York when I got pregnant. I was fresh out of college. I went to Columbia and finished and was like hanging out in New York as as one does, I guess. Like, you know, when you finish school, you're sort of floating about and, and kind of either going right into a career path or sort of skirting around one or doing internships or whatever you're doing. And so, you know, right after I was working in early childhood education, I was teaching at the Brooklyn Center for the Urban Environment and the Audubon Center, mainly writing like curriculum for uh, life sciences for children, like ages, like three to nine years old. And so I was doing a lot of classes, teaching kids the outdoors, you know, playing with earthworms and teaching them about life cycles and, you know, <laughs> composting and all these kind of things. And so, which is really fun. And so I was doing that. And even when I became pregnant, I was still teaching and doing that. And then I realized on this path that like, I wanted to stay in New York to have my baby. I also realized that like, I don't really know where the resources are here. Right. Mm-hmm. In California, I know exactly where I would go if I needed 
prenatal care, if I was going to go see, like, who would I see for pediatric care? Like all of that, like where I came from, I knew how to navigate that, but I wasn't living there. So I was living in New York. So what was the pathway for me to have this successful experience and, and one that um, I felt I had aligned practitioners, et cetera. So I didn't even know where to start to find a practitioner, honestly. At the time, this is going to sound super dated, but <laughs> I went to what's called a phone book, which is a relic now. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you born like after like 1990, 95, 2000, there was this thing called the phone book. Yes. The phone book as Kanika knows, we use for many different things. Oh yeah. Right. That would be like, it would be a booster seat. It would be, mm-hmm. right? it would, you would use it for all kinds of things in the house, but it would, you would use it as a stool to reach something in a cabinet, but it also its intention was for you to find a business or a personal listings. And so I went to the the phone book to find a listing around obstetrics, right? And gynecology. I was just like, who do I find? So I go in, I find this listing for this woman. I was like, this sounds really great. Let me just go to her, call them up and have a great conversation with the nurse or whoever's at the desk, whatever. And she's like, this is, um, we'd love to get you scheduled for an appointment. I was like, great. When can I come in? Mind you, it's October of 2002. And uh, we can get you on the um, calendar for May. I was like, May? What? <laughs> I said, May. She's like, yeah. I said, May of next year? And she's like, yeah. I was like, girl, you know I'm having this baby next year, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Probably in the summer. Yeah. Said, you can't see me until then. Yeah, we're just really backed up. I was like, what? So I was, first of all, so appalled by that. And then I was like, this is certainly not the place I'm going to deliver, but like, I got to find a place. And so I was really turned off to the fact that like, there was really no, it it sort of seemed like the wild, wild West, you know, like there was no system in place. There was really no handholding. It felt really like disjointed the service model. And so I was like, there has to be a better way to do this and how people can feel supported and dignified in the process and, um, and safe and, you know, have their questions answered and all of that. So this was all in the back of my mind of sort of something that I wanted to create, but also that I knew I wouldn't benefit from this time around. And so I did sort of all the rudimentary work of of sort of laying the groundwork for a map of a process that would, you know, support other people who were going through a similar experience in their lives that wanted to have sort of like a holistic approach and outlook and practitioners that felt aligned with their vision. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's what I sort of started to do. And, and that would become the rudiments of mama glow. Fast forward, I had found a birthing center on 14th street in New York city called Elizabeth Seaton childbearing center. Okay. Now this is the only freestanding birth center in New York. And what that means is that freestanding is an institution that is not uh, beholden to or run by the medical standards of practice. Um, They have their own ethos. Um, It's run by midwives and uses a sort of midwifery model of care to uh, support their their client base. And it's a more uh, patient and baby-centric space and uh, really sort of, you know, bodily autonomy, body sovereignty, this idea of, you know, really feeling like you have agency, you know, in the process mm-hmm. that's really part of their ethos and lots of support, lots of handholding. 
And then also, since they are not attached to an institution, they have really great institutional relationships. So there was a hospital, like literally two minutes away, one avenue over that you could go if you needed to be transferred and it had wonderful relationship with them. So if someone had an emergency, they would just transfer out. And so this was a great place to deliver. I delivered my son there. It was seven blocks from where I was living, which was amazing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was like so easy to get to for all my prenatal appointments. And they also did one thing that I thought was amazing too. They had childbirth education and Kanika, you had to do like 21 hours worth to deliver there. Wow. They wanted to make sure you were well-informed. That's right. That's so beautiful. Huge. Right. And so that's really good for people. If you think about like, nobody is really making sure that you know the information unless you have that handholding. And so that's really what a doula does. But yes. then we acted out like I didn't have a doula for my birth and I didn't fully really understand. I, I should say I had support because I had um, my best friend came. She's actually an OBGYN now in DC. And my son's birth was her first birth she attended. So she was there. My son's father was there. My midwife was there. There was many people were there, but so I didn't feel under supported. I also had the advocacy tools. I had the educational tools. I had the, the belief in my body. I had the trust, which is so important to develop is trust in your body first and trust in process, regardless of the outcome, being able to like have that established trust, self-trust first is really critical. And most people don't have that because they're not even having a foundational relationship with their bodies even before pregnancy most of the time, right? That was really key, I think, in the process too. Um, so I feel really thankful to have been able to deliver there. And, um, you know, shortly after my son was born, they actually closed down. And it was due to malpractice insurance premiums, which skyrocketed and made it impossible for midwives to carry insurance. Um, the insurance premium was like, it was millions of dollars of insurance. Oh um, man. It, from, it went from like being thousands of dollars to like yeah. millions. And so right. they just couldn't stay open. And that was one of the, that was, that was like sort of the beginnings for me of, of seeing kind of this war on women's rights, on women's bodies um, that moved outside of choice and the right to choose but it was really like, you start to see, oh, this touches the entire reproductive continuum, right? Like this mm -hmm. is, you know, at every juncture, we're really fighting to have autonomy over our bodies. And so, you know, how, whether or not, I mean, like tax on freaking menstrual products, right? Yeah. And then at birth, it's like, or at pregnancy, it's like, whether or not you can have a baby, you know, like not having autonomy over your body for that choice. And then- right. For pregnancy and birth, it's like not being able to choose a provider you want and having to. So it's like there's always some force that's working on us, that's pushing us in the direction of not being able to choose. And people need choice, you know, and people really deserve, especially in this moment that we're living through, we need to have choice over the types of births we have, with whom, um, being able to determine who's in that space with us the supports we need for aftercare and recovery, like all of this stuff is like, so not part of the dialogue in the West really, you know, and, and it's really important to kind of restore that. And so that's really a lot what doulas are doing too right now is kind of helping to bridge those gaps and bring conversation to the forefront that forces uh, institutions and systems and policymakers to address right these 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 spaces where people are undersupported mm -hmm. and and really build towards something that holds people better. 
Did you know there's an organizing app designed just for families? Named a must-have mobile app on the Today Show, Cozy is an app to help families who are juggling school schedules, practices, meetings, doctor's appointments, and even helps them schedule a workout or a date night. Here's how it works. Cozy tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place with a shared color-coded calendar. Cozy even reminds others about events so you don't have to. No more missed pickups or double bookings. It's easy to get started. You can even pull in events from your family's personal work and school calendars. Cozy helps with other things on your plate too. The shared grocery list lets the whole family add items in real time, and you'll never find yourself at the store without the list. It's always on your phone and up to date. If you need help figuring out dinner, there's even a place to store recipes and plan meals ahead. The best part? It's free. Just download Cozy Family Organizer from the App Store, and that's spelled C-O-Z-I, and get the free app today. You all know I love being organized, using calendars to sync up and labels so you never drop the ball. Cozy up with Cozy to keep you and your family on track. So tell us about, you know, what uh, Mama Glow does. And, and I love that you have a Mama Festo. You know, what we're doing is really just uh, providing the handholding that people need on this journey, right? And I see um, birth as really like a rite of passage, that it's a, a journey that's sacred. It's not a medical event. It can become a medicalized process, right? But mm-hmm not a medical event. It's really like a spiritual and transcendent and um, it's actually a meditation. You know, what actually occurs through your body neurochemically is it's meditation and it's a dance and it's all of these things and it's primal and it's ancestral and it's healing and, and it can be a pathway to personal growth. And so I see it as really important to preserve because it's like a shamanic experience, right? And so you really go through these these portals of transcendence when you are well protected in the experience. And so really what we're about is not only, you know, you, you mentioned um, one of the things I know that uh, we're talking about today is the real crisis in the United States around, um, you know, birth and uh, specifically the maternal health crisis. But beyond just making sure that people survive childbirth, because it can't just be the bare minimum of surviving childbirth, it has to be thriving. It has to be transcended. It has to be that we're fighting for people to have dignity and safety and belonging and transcendence in birth, right? Mm. So I want that for people. And that's what we're really designing for, right? Is to, to make sure that this can be an event that's holy, you know, regardless of where it takes place, regardless of the outcome, right? Because C-sections are sacred too, if that's the way to come here, right? And, and, um, And so obviously we don't want for unnecessary interventions to take place. We do know that there are some that are life saving. And so we honor all processes that babies come through, but we also protect and and advocate for the best care possible for the, the clients or patients, right? And we are here to, to help people come on the other side of the experience and then process that and integrate that and, and allow it to become part of who they are. And so if we think about rites of passage, there's really important pieces that um, sort of make a journey like that. And we see this, by the way, in every story that we read and every 
like movie that we watch, right, where there's a hero's journey and the hero's journey really are um, rights. So for birthing rights, you know, there's there's some distinct characteristics that are really important for people to be able to sort of ascend into for their process to unfold and for them to kind of move through and transform. So if we think about something as simple as, or not even simple, this is not simple, it's complex, as a caterpillar becoming <laughs> a butterfly, right? Yeah. Like first it's eating, eating, eating. Then it decides it's time. It's meditating on becoming a butterfly when it goes inside of its chrysalis, right? And then, yes. and then it actually sheds its form, right? It dissolves. And then it, and then a, a whole new being is created and then it emerges, right? And so it's a similar process in that first the person moves through, uh, there's three phases. There's the preliminal phase or separation, the liminal phase, and then there's the post-liminal or integration. And these were described in like, you know, the early 1900s to sort of mark what this actual experience of rites of passage are and, and how they sort of mark the human experience and human journey. So separation or preliminal is you have to move out of your daily activities. You have to allow yourself to separate from your normal societal position and your roles. Okay. So I can no longer be Kanika, you know, doing her podcast and yeah. hear the kids and whatever. I have to separate from that and basically be isolated from all of my normal activities to prepare. Right. Yes. Yes. You see this happening for people as they're moving towards labor. So you'll see things like nesting, right? So they start to prepare the house and cleaning and doing all things. They start to want to be home more, want to go to bed earlier, want to sort of turn in and come, <laughs> right? You know, not wanting to have like people over all the time, really wanting to be close, family or or solo, right? So the separation occurs. Um, a lot of people take maternity leave and, you know, before their baby comes to separate. Then, and that's preparing you to like be able to now ascend. So say early labor is taking place. That's a time for separation. So now like, oh, I'm feeling like stuff going on. Okay, let me get home, right? So things can start to unfold. So mm-hmm. and then you, and then once you're in a place where you feel the safety, you know, labor can sort of progress on its own. Then, then that's the liminal phase that we move into. And that space is governed by our emotional motor system, the limbic system. And this is a part of the brain that's primal, that's con- that really governs uh, all sensorial experiences connected to emotion. So all of the hormones that are secreted, that are in the bloodstream in that time, this whole cocktail of hormones is basically dictated by this emotional experience we're having as well. So if I'm made to feel safety, then I'm going to cook up the right cocktail of hormones that allow birth to proceed optimally, right? Yes, makes sense. Made to feel, you know, uncomfortable or afraid or, you know, then that's going to create the antagonist of birth hormones, right? So this is a time really critical for you to be able to feel that sense of safety support and allow yourself to ascend into what becomes like a trance in birth. And the brain is also doing really cool things to slow down and and allow you to get into what's more like a meditative state too. Now you're in that liminal space. And what most people will remember also from if they've already given birth and, and for those who haven't yet, 
what what happens also is there's a point where you're like us, right? We're talking, you can talk to people, you can be your, and then there's a point where you, you separate, but also where you're in this other world, you're someplace else. And when you're in a liminal space, you're someplace else, you're in another world. You're not, you're physically here, like we can see you, but you're not here. Consciousness is elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Somewhere else. And, and in this time, this is the really beautiful thing about this experience is that because of all the other hormones that are present, like DMT, which is called the God chemical, which is, is present at peak life events, like at birth, at, at death, at high level arousal of orgasm. And when you're doing like dangerous stuff, like stunts, like you see on Instagram, right? Okay. Yeah. Right. You see people that's like, edge of the building, like jumping off on, you know, like these right. types of things, which create this sense of uh, heightened experience that creates DMT. DMT also facilitates this sense of otherworldliness, oneness, universal connection, dissolution of boundaries, okay? It's what people, when they go to Peru and they go with shamans and they're studying or when they're taking mystic journeys, they'll take um, peyote or ayahuasca, what they're actually getting in the medicine is DMT, right? Okay, okay. By the way, we create during birth. Wow. And we facilitate during birth. So, so, so we have this ability to have this dreaming, right? This visioning where we can connect to not only the present, but the divine and and the past. And we can reach back into our ancestry and in this process, there, there's so much that can happen for us, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Space, right. So this is all happening. A lot comes up for people. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's pleasurable. Sometimes it's triggering. Sometimes it's, you know, blissful depends on whatever, you know, whatever space has been created for you, what you're able to sort of experience there. But lots of people have dreams. Some people fall asleep, you know, whatever. Some people are screaming, some people are singing, like everybody's different. Right. But you move through that liminal where you're not really present, your body's there, but you're able to intuit what you need to do in terms of movement, sound, the breathing patterns, everything necessary to birth your baby. You will intuit that in this space, right? If left, by the way, uninterrupted, if people are poking and prodding and telling you what to do, it's different. But when you're able to kind of just be there, right? And, And tuning into your own internal wisdom, you will intuit what's necessary to help move your baby through your body optimally, right? Now, when we come on the other end, right? So we're in the liminal and now it's integration post-liminal. So we move from that space. And at the very end of the labor, what a lot of people will remember that uh, at the very, very end, adrenaline kicks in. Now, adrenaline is the antagonist to birth hormones at any other time. Sure. Yeah. It is necessary because it actually provides focus. It slows down contractions. Okay. So you actually have time to kind of catch your breath. And in this period where things slow down, you're actually coming back into your body, right? Now you're coming back in and consciousness is more clear. Yes. Your people, they say things to you like, oh, push like this or whatever. And you can hear that and you can actually direct your body. But you come back in actually to witness your baby be born. We feel sensation, even though we were feeling sensation before, but now we can direct that sensation down and out and we can hear voices in a different way. And we can connect with what's happening in our body in a different way. And we can witness our baby be born. 
right? Mm. Through that adrenaline. On the other side of that, integration, here comes the baby. And now it's me from this other side of myself, right? This dissolved ego, right? This different version emerges. And I don't just have something like the baby with me now. I have something else that I didn't have when I started. And that is what we're here to protect too. Yes. The, the things that, that you reach back for and grab on your way through, right? What is that that you took with you when you pass through this these portals, right? And, and so if we can think about what's important to like pick up on the way, right? To, if people don't have that opportunity to transcend to, if they're so focused on protecting themselves and making sure that they're safe in places that they're supposed to feel protected, if they're too busy defending, you know, or, or asking for stuff or being dismissed or feeling microaggressed, if they, they, then they can't be in this transcendent space. We're fighting for people to have safety and dignity and transcendence. We're fighting for what I just described, that rite of passage, that full-fledged ability to connect with the deepest and most transformative aspects of yourself and connect to the divine and be able to bring through your body and through your consciousness messages from your past, from your ancestry, from your cells, forth and to impact the epigenome for the future. So to provide some context, um, maternal deaths began to rise in the U.S. around 1990, and by 2013, the rates overall doubled. But the CDC estimates that 700 to 900 expectant mothers die in the U.S., and a disproportionate amount are African-American, as we touched upon. Um, According to this Harvard Magazine article entitled America is Failing Its Black Mothers, which is um, so wonderfully written, and I'm going to have it in the show notes. The author says, put simply, for Black women, giving birth can amount to a death sentence. And I'm so glad that you have your foundation and Mama Glow to really um, mitigate these risks. Is there any predisposed conditions or health factors that play in that, again, a midwife or doula who is a person of color understands, you know, diabetes or heart disease or something like that, that they are so attuned to that. And it's not just um, an OB who is uniquely focused on, you know, carrying a baby to term. It's someone who's focused on the mom and her overall health. So I want people to understand that being Black is not a pre-existing condition. The pre-existing condition is racism. What we see, though, in terms of common risk factors or common reasons for mortality would be things like blood or placental disorders. We'll see things like, um, you mentioned diabetes, you know, things like high blood pressure mostly. And then the majority of the deaths are uh, connected to hemorrhages and postpartum, pregnancy-induced hypertension, which is called preeclampsia. What, how it manifests is sort of, you know, people will get kind of swelling in the ankles and the feet and the wrists and the hands and the neck. You may go from being able to wear your shoes to having to wear slides, but like overnight kind of thing, you know, you'll notice that there's protein in the urine. Uh, one thing I would recommend people get is urine strips that you can get on Amazon where you can check to see sort of like, you know, the different minerals that show up in your urine to, to be able to like, you know, sort of just keep track of things as well on your own end. All the medical practitioners are checking. Yeah. And then you can tell your doctor, look, I noticed there's protein like, and mm-hmm. there's swelling and, 
So hypertension is exactly what it sounds like, tension. So think about like what causes that? What we hear all the time is like, oh, well, black people eat bad. This is the foods they eat that causes that. Everybody eats the same food. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like I might eat fried okra or whatever, but you're eating. No, I, I love that stuff. Indians eat that too. <laughs> fried stuff. We're all yes. salty. We're all eating sweet. We're all eating fat. Right. 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 So everybody eats the same thing in this country. Now, I happen to be vegan. You know, and and so you know, I I feel like I have um, you know I'm, I'm sort of like proximate to this conversation, but like because of the types of food choices that I make, I actually don't have any of the health risks. But yeah, plants, right? So there's like no cholesterol, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so so here's the thing: it's not food, right? Yes, food. White people would be also dying. It's yeah, not- yeah. No, that's so true. Food can exacerbate it. But what we're talking about, when we talk about high blood pressure, we talk about hypertension, we are talking about what causes actually you to get tense, what raises your blood pressure, what raises blood pressure, stress, right? So we're not talking about just episodic stress or acute stress. We're talking about chronic stress. Now, what is chronic stress? The lived experience of racism. Chronic stress is dealing with poverty, dealing Mm -hmm. with you know, violence, dealing with a pandemic, dealing with economic insecurity, housing insecurity, food insecurity, all of these things can lead to high blood pressure. So it is, so, and look at the black population, everybody is stressed. There's a, there's stress. And so that is what's causing the pre-existing condition, right, is the lived experience. So when we're talking about the social determinants of health, that helps us really to actually underpin and or undergird what's actually at the brunt of what's causing people to like run into health risk and then end up pregnant. And on top of that now have um, comorbidities, right? Right, right. It's not just because you're black, it's because you're living in South Bronx and because you don't have access to healthy food in your neighborhood. And because like, there's all these things that layer um, that happen to be because of, you know, how you're situated in the world. And those happen to be minority, you know, groups or, or people of color, specifically, you know, black and brown individuals that fall into this, you know, these groups that are impacted. So yep. it's the system that's the problem, right? And, and if we can address the, the, the sort of forces that are working on us, mm-hmm. um, start to dismantle those, then that helps us get to a place where we have better health outcomes. But we can't just say, oh, it's how they're eating or it's this. It's it's not. It's all of these factors. And food is just one thing that can exacerbate something that's already there. Um, now I want to take it to your mom sense moment. And I love asking my guests this. I feel like, I mean, you are the epitome of what mom sense is all about. <laughs> and as is your mom and her mother before you and before that. Like, is there one time where you're like, I'm so glad I trusted my mom sense. I had someone who was located a little bit of a distance. If I left later, I would encounter probably a two hour commute. And if I left earlier, getting there earlier before things were really going would have me there in time for when things actually kicked off. Okay. <laughs> go early, even though I know I'll be at way ahead of the curve. So that was one thing that I felt good for because 
there was only like 90 minutes that I had been there and things really kicked off and the birth went super quick after that. Um, and now where can we find you? Yeah, I'm just on Instagram, Glow Maven, G-L-O-W-M-A-V-E-N. And then on Mama Glow, um, at Mama Glow on Instagram, just M-A-M-A-G-L-O-W. And then the same thing on the website. If they go to Mama Glow, um, there's lots of fun stuff to do, you know, content, things like that. But like, um, you know, events and, and things of that nature and doula trainings, if you're interested. Um, we're always, always here for support. If you want to support a doula, if you want to become a doula, if you want to find one, we're <laughs> for you. <laughs> that is excellent. I love it. And I subscribe to, um, to the website, love the mama zine. Oh, <laughs> it's so fun to read the articles and personal essays and, and stories. Oh, of course. Of course. I would love to write for you. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we will set that up because it just, you embody all that is mom sense. And I would love to contribute, you know, my two cents if I could. Awesome. And uh, yeah, and I want you to share about the doula expo because this podcast releases before that. Amazing. So guys, we have this, this really cool event called the doula expo by Mama Glow. And it's a really great day of just interaction of people who are in and around the birth space. So you'll meet doulas, you'll meet practitioners, um, service providers, amazing products and brands. Um, it's really like, you know, one of the things we think is so important is like kind of like self-care, fortifying ourselves, restoring ourselves so we can be like of service. So if you're a caregiver, if you're somebody who self-identifies as, is you know, a healer, a doctor, a doula, whatever, if you're in service of other people, if you're a mom, okay, mm-hmm. in service of your children, right? Yes, all day, all day, every day, yeah. Get yourself fed and and get rejuvenated. Um, there's some great partners involved, like Carol's daughter and L'Oreal. There's Kate Spade, who's giving away these beautiful little um, bags and stuff, which will be full of products. And so you just love up on yourself and meet other people that day. Um, and it benefits the Mongol Foundation so that we can continue to do scholarship support for the doula trainings and also further some of our other grant uh, programs. And so it allows us to do that work directly impacting other individuals who who are you know making a, a difference in our communities. So we would so love to see you guys. A heartfelt thank you to Latham Thomas for sharing her experience and stories and knowledge around childbirth and advocacy, especially for the African-American community. If you are interested in learning more about becoming a doula or just want to be able to hang out with other mom friends, come to the Doula Expo. It's happening on October 30th in Brooklyn. It's from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. All the information is being included on my show notes on my website. That's totalmomsense.com under Latham's episode, or you can just visit mamaglow.com. We hope you learned a lot from the birthing series. I bring on these experts to enlighten and inspire. As always, follow me on Instagram for more updates and promos on my incredible guests. And my handle is at Kanika Chadha Gupta and at That's Total Mom Sense. And you can write to me at That's Total Mom Sense at gmail.com. Stay strong, super mamas and super dads. Always trust your mom sense. See you next time. 
That's total mom sense.